0: Today on the newscast, Vladimir Putin is making moves in Eastern Europe, the Middle East and beyond. A top Israeli expert joins us to break down what Putin really wants. That's next. Hey folks, Eric Stackelbeck here. Welcome to the Watchman newscast. We want to get right into it today. Vladimir Putin is making moves in Eastern Europe, the Middle East even threatening to make moves in the Western Hemisphere. So what does the Russian leader want? We are joined today by our good friend, Israel Defense Forces Major, Elliot Chodoff, top political, strategic, and military analyst who breaks down what Putin wants, not only in Europe, but in the Middle East, how this affects Israel, America, and you. Let's go now to Northern Israel with Elliot Chodov. Take a look. And we are joined now by our good friend, Watchman contributor, IDF Reserve Major, Elliot Chodoff, political, military, strategic analyst, a jack of all trades. And Elliot, you are the perfect man to talk to right now as we have global hotspots flaring up. Uh, Today, we want to talk about one in particular, and that is Russia. You just wrote a great piece in the Times of Israel called Putin's Ukraine Moves, a Bishop's Gambit, and you compared him to a master chess player, Uh, What do you mean by that when you call this Russian, possible Russian invasion or move against Ukraine, a bishop's gambit by Vladimir Putin?
1: For Putin, it's a gambit. It's It's an important move, but it's a minor move as part of a much grander strategy. And here, Putin is a strategist. And as I wrote in the article, he's really trying to accomplish a number of things at once, which means that. If he doesn't succeed in all of them, he still comes out ahead. He's trying, he's trying to, to shake NATO up. Um, NATO recruited a whole bunch of, of countries after the fall of the Soviet Union, the Baltic states, uh, states in, in, in southeastern Europe, and the Ukraine is on the table. A Ukraine in NATO is perceived, and I think legitimately, by Putin as a threat to Russia. Um, so he wants to he wants to block that any way that he possibly can. He sees the Ukraine as an he calls it the Ukraine um, because Ukraine as a, as a nation, as a state, is not acceptable to Putin. He sees it as a region of Russia. And part of this is to to regain as much of Ukrainian territory uh, and, and influence in it as he possibly can. He started that with Crimea back in 2014. But I think that, that what's being missed in much of the analysis is that none of this is the real objective. These are objectives, but the real objective is to put Russia back in its old standing as a superpower, as a competitor with the United States, and put it in very simple terms, imperial Russia, not just another power in Europe.
0: So essentially what Putin wants, and you wrote about this in your great piece, we encourage Elliot, everyone to check it out at the Times of Israel. Uh, He wants to restore the the Soviet glory days in a sense, I guess. And part of that, that was obviously an imperialist regime, the Soviet Union. So part of that is expanding his territory. That includes Ukraine and perhaps other adventures in the coming months and years.
1: Yes, I, I would go further than that. First of all, I wouldn't stop with the Soviets. Go back to Imperial Russia, the czars. In other words, Russia is the constant, czarist, Soviet, and post-Soviet are the variables, the, the, the shifts on the solid basis of Russia seeing itself as an imperial power. And again, Ukraine is part of that, but what I'm seeing is a much more serious interest particularly in developing his naval capability. The Russian Navy today is very weak. It it can make mischief, it can't confront the United States. And as I mentioned in the article, that right now they've got one aircraft carrier that is suffering from terrible maintenance problems. They're talking about putting it in dry dock for a year or two, but that doesn't preclude positioning. And this is again, where I use the chess analogy. Positioning is is key, even if you don't have the power there at, at, at the moment and Sevastopol is is a key port naval base shipyard for the Black Sea and out into the Mediterranean. What he doesn't have now is a land bridge to Sevastopol. He's got a long bridge, as in a built bridge, 19 kilometers long across the, the Kerch Straits, but that's extremely vulnerable. You can't protect a 19 kilometer bridge. His, he wants to be able to get things into his naval base safely and securely. And for that, he needs a land connection. Uh, at the same time, he's got problematic ports in the north. His and Traditionally, the Russians have had a problem. Their, their naval bases are north of the Arctic Circle. In the Murmansk area, they get frozen in. He can't operate out of them 12 months a year. He has a Baltic Sea naval base at Kaliningrad that's completely surrounded by NATO countries, by Poland and Estonia. In other words, it's an enclave. And Estonia is also worried that he might wanna punch through there and open open a corridor uh, to there. So these are sort of the immediate moves, but the ultimate idea is to be able to challenge the United States, first in the Eastern Mediterranean, and that concerns Israel, but also in the Atlantic, Uh, in the North Atlantic in particular, and for that he'll need
0: to be able to get out of his Baltic base. Yeah, clearly, Elliot, he is on the march. Vladimir Putin is on the move. I want to ask you about the Israel factor here, the Mediterranean port there in Syria, Mm -hmm. Uh, but real quick, just one last question about Ukraine. Yes. Where could this be heading? It's tough to say right now. Obviously, the US is saying now 8500 troops may be deployed to Eastern Europe and a NATO rapid response force may be deployed uh, 100,000 at least Russian troops massed on the Russia Ukraine border concerns yes. and invasion is imminent. Uh, as we look ahead, where could this possibly be heading and uh, will the West be you know, if Putin is the, ch- the master chess player. It seems like the West is on the losing end here so far.
1: The West, I think, is on is on the losing end of any sort of a Ukraine situation. First of all, Putin has proximity. There's no getting around this. He's sitting right on the border and there's no way for the European forces to do anything, even if they move into Ukraine their logistics lines are very long, their supply lines, their reinforcement lines, in moving 8,500 troops from the United States to Europe or putting them on alert in Europe still doesn't solve the problem. It's just a signal it's a threat to, to Putin. I'm not going to try to predict, You know, there's an old rule that says, no plan survives the first contact with the enemy. Uh, so a lot of this has to do with what Putin decides and he can decide diplomacy, in other words, he, he can play brinksmanship and then walk away at the last minute and say, look what a, what a nice guy I am. I prevented a war and then start the whole thing up again in a year. He's under no constraints. The United States today has much lower credibility than it had in the past, in particular after the Afghanistan fiasco. Uh, here, I think it's very important. It's not, it's not only credibility in terms of diplomacy, it's credibility in terms of power. When America abandoned Bagram Air Force Base in Afghanistan, I think most people thought, oh, Bagram, that's part of the Afghanistan War of of 2000. Bagram Air Force Base was established in the 1950s as a means of threatening Russia from the South during the Cold War. And by removing it, America removed a potential threat to Russia, which Putin is now going to capitalize on. So there's a lot of dynamic here. America is not in the position that it was in a couple of years ago. And this, and and I wanna be clear about this, because I mean, this is not a Trump Biden kind of thing. This is an American power versus loss or lack of American power. Obviously, as a result of of decisions made by this administration.
0: Yeah, the the, the Afghanistan effect, Elliot, continues to bite us here in America. Hey, last yes. question. Obviously, Russia, Ukraine, major hotspot right now. China and Taiwan, all bets are off in the future. And they're, North and they're Korea watching now each other. Firing, Yes. North Korea firing off ballistic missiles once again. But That's the Middle right. East is the world's most strategic and pivotal region. And Russia is making moves there as well. I have to ask you, you live in northern Israel. Um Doing patrols now is the Russian regime alongside Bashar al-Assad in Syria and patrolling near the Golan Heights, that strategic area that separates Israel and Syria. Uh, What do you make of this? Will Israel now have less room to maneuver and operate against Iran inside Syria? Is Russia changing its uh, stance there? Where's this all heading?
1: Okay, first of all, A lot of this is posturing at this point the the Russians are not happy with Israel and Israel's operations in Syria, partly because Russia has an interest in Syria because of its naval bases. Once again, it comes back to naval bases. Uh, And also because, frankly, the Israeli Air Force has been making a mockery of all of the Russian equipment, anti-air equipment that's been shipped into Syria. Now, this is a combination of American technology, Israeli technology, and Israeli tactics. Uh, But basically, the Russian air defense systems, which are touted by them as the best out there, have simply failed to stop Israeli strikes. And that's egg on their face, no matter how you slice it. So they would like to curtail Israeli operations, and they probably will have some effect. uh, Because as in anything else, when you decide to launch an operation, I'm talking about from the Israeli side, you have to take everything into account. How important is the target versus what are the risks involved in going after the target? And Russian patrols add another layer of risk and possible cost to any operation. I don't think it will have a great impact against Iran if and when, and I think the the if is certain and the when is coming closer, uh, because at that point, Israel will either tell the Russians get out of the way, or if it's launching something on that scale, it'll deal with the Russians one way or the other. I think on a grander level, what we're seeing is is the Russians pushing into the Eastern Mediterranean. Here they can challenge the United States, not to defeat, but to challenge and Establish themselves between their Syrian bases and Sevastopol as one of the naval powers in the Eastern Med. The way the Russians think, and and strategically, it's 100% correct, establish yourself, put yourself in there, make yourself part of the calculated landscape. And then when you gain a little bit more power or alternatively, your adversary gets pulled somewhere else, remember America's interests are in the Pacific, they're in the Indian Ocean, they're in the Atlantic, Right now, there's one aircraft carrier in the Mediterranean. If it gets pulled, Russia suddenly, I'm talking about an American aircraft carrier, Russia suddenly becomes a much more significant power in the, in the Mediterranean.
0: Great analysis, as always, by Israel Defense Forces Major Elliot Chodov. Folks, if you live in the United States, Elliot is coming here between March 21st and April 5th 2022 for a lecture tour. You can find out more on his Facebook page. You see it right there. And if you want Elliot to come to your town and give some of those great insights, the kind of insights that you just heard about what is going on in the world and how it affects you, you can book him again through his Facebook page and reach out to him there. Great, great stuff from Elliot Chodoff as always. Thanks so much for joining us here today on the Watchman Newscast. Until tomorrow, God bless you and remember never hold your peace.